Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Luke chapter 6. Let's begin in verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. All right. A turning of the tables and a deviation from the account of the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Luke. This is something that's uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. This is unique in Luke's regard. We started off with like these big blessings, and now we're speaking about woes. And you can see how these woes are very much the converse of the Beatitudes that preceded them. For example, uh, woe, uh, woe to you who are rich. He started off by speaking a blessing over those who are poor. Uh, but it's, it's bad news, right? Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. It means like it's not going to get any better than this. And if you're honest, this is not always all that great. And now this is, this is the, this is like the converse of what came before in the opening verses of this sermon. Saying, blessed are you who are hungry for you will be, you will be filled. I believe that it's speaking to a hunger for righteousness. And now in its converse, I think it's a, I think it's an indictment of the Pharisees. Woe to you who are now full for you will be hungry meaning you think of yourself as righteous, but you're not. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. We saw this beautiful, I called it a tattoo-worthy verse from the text beforehand, promising laughter to, the, to those who are now weeping. And now here's the, here's the converse, woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. It is a warning. It is a warning. It is great woe. Um, blessed on one side, and then woe upon the converse. You're, you're now laughing for you'll mourn and weep. I think it's describing a coming state of conviction and brokenness over sin. And I think it's speaking to the futility and trusting in the temporal and mere wealth and worldly things, worldly even righteousness. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. Now, this is the converse of what we saw in yesterday's text, in that we were called blessed when people insulted, excluded, and slander us because of our relationship with Christ. Now, here's the converse. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. In, um, in my, my, my studies at Southern Seminary, we had this preliminary course, you know, we, where we had to like learn how to write in the style of uh, you know, the seminary. And, and so we had just, just to, to take, take men from various backgrounds who all wrote in different styles. Fortunately, I came from Lifeway, which was heavily influenced by Southern in the first place. So I was already fairly fluent in the style. I only had a few other things to kind of, uh, to, to, to polish up on, but I was really, really impressed with this one book called They Say, I Say. And it has to do with just the, the salience of words, Meaning, if no one disagrees with what you're saying, why are you talking? If no one has any remote chance of being even the least bit offended by the words that you're saying, then your words lack salience or relevance. They're pointless words. You're probably just saying what everybody already believes, and it's 
It's redundant. It's unnecessary. It's like, if you're not, if, if what you're saying isn't the least bit offensive, why are you talking? If no one would disagree with what you're writing, why write? And I, I really, really found that, that book to be, uh, to be incredible. And I, I, it reminds me a little bit of this. When everyone speaks well of you, no one disagrees with you, then you're being a chameleon and you're, you, you, lack, you lack fortitude. Your words lack salience. If you haven't offended anyone at all, then you've stood for nothing. Being, you know, being found in opposition against evil is actually a good place to be. It's not a fun place to be. But if absolutely everybody speaks well of you, everybody likes you, then watch out. Watch out. This is the way that people treated false teachers in generations past. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. And man, the scariest words in the Bible to me are reserved for false teachers. That's, that's the scariest stuff in all of Scripture. Jesus' harsh words were never directed at people who were struggling with their sin and wanted to repent. It was always at the Pharisees who acted like they had everything together and, and were teaching falsely. Second Peter should give anyone who feels called to ministry nightmares. Blackest darkness is reserved for you. Your destruction has not been sleeping. It has long been looming over you. And if we lead little ones astray who are in Christ, Jesus says it's better off for us to have a millstone tied around our necks and be drowned in the depths of the sea than to lead a little one astray. I mean, there's scary stuff in the Bible for false prophets, for false teachers. It's better off if you were never even born, the Word of God says. So this is how you know you're a false prophet. You don't make anyone mad. <laughs> now, you don't have to go around then trying to foment a reaction and deliberately trying to be offensive. The gospel is inflammatory enough in a lost culture. It needs no help being more offensive. The call to repent from sin is a call to turn away from things that we do that are, that, that are disobedient to God and His Word and His will. That's offensive enough. So you don't need to make it more offensive. You don't need to try to conflagrate, you know, a reaction. Don't be a rabble rouser, but do speak the truth. And if no one disagrees with you, then heads up. If everybody speaks well of you, they said the same thing about the false prophets who came before you. All right. I was encouraging a young pastor yesterday who was asking about exactly this. And he's like, I try not to offend in my sermons and they just come across as boring. I was like, yeah, because they're unoffensive. And if they're unoffensive, it could be false teaching, bro. Like, if no one in town uh, is is being called to repent from anything in any of your sermons, then what word are you teaching? Like, it's not about being offensive. It's just that the word of God is offensive. Let it offend if it does. And if it offends, people understand. It's not you who's making that call. You're just reading what the word of God says. So like a Christian in the workplace, if you stand for Christ, that's going to be offensive. And if no one would ever be remotely offended by the gospel represented in your life, then you're not shining your light before men that they could see your good works and praise your Father who's in heaven. If absolutely everybody speaks well of you, if you get along with absolutely everybody and there's never been any point of friction, no one has ever been the least bit, uh, the, the, the least bit offended by the gospel in your life, then it could be that you need to speak up more. And you're, because you, you're going to face opposition. 
you're going to be, like to use the converse of what came before in this sermon, you're going to be insulted at some point. You're going to be excluded at some point. You're going to be slandered at some point by someone because of your gospel testimony. But you rejoice in that. Leap for joy because the converse is unacceptable. All right, to, to be found in perfect alignment with false prophets is to find oneself in perfect alignment with the scariest words in the Bible. So it is far better to be insulted, excluded, slandered because of your testimony for Christ than it is to be universally accepted. And as a result, just to be someone whose words are absolute useless pablum. If no one is being offended, no one's being engaged with the gospel, you're going to face insult turn that into a testimony for joy because it means you're speaking the truth of the gospel.